John chapter 11, uh, verses 1 to 7, and then 17 to 26. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, Let's go back to Judea. Verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When, Je- when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Brad, and good morning, everybody. Uh, my name's Tom. If we have not met, I'd love to meet you afterwards. And it's a privilege to get to speak some of God's truth to us each week. Thanks for lending me your brain and your ears and your heart a bit. Uh, you're going to need all those today, brain, heart, ears, because uh, what we're thinking about today was not only just going to be a bit of a stretch, but I hope it's also going to be quite a comfort to us. And today we are thinking about the topic of suffering, our, our pain, our grief, our heartache, our sadness, it's true, right? Sometimes we go through these, these phases of life where we can successfully ignore the challenges of this world. You know, we shove them into the background and manage to put them in the back of our minds for some time. But inevitably, the evil of this world has a nasty way of barging back in. You know, a bad diagnosis, a nasty accident, a heartbreaking phone call, a chronic illness flaring up again. And in those moments, just like that, the, the illusion is suddenly shattered. We're reminded again that things are not as good as they could or even should be. Uh, The last month or so, we've been pondering how Christianity is true and good. And today, this this is one of the good bits. Christianity is good when it comes to how we can think about suffering. When it comes to suffering, Christianity offers the hope that it's not pointless. It offers the understanding that it's okay, we do not have to like it. It offers the comfort that God gets it, God feels it, God understands it. It offers the joy of knowing that it won't last. It won't have the last laugh. It won't get the final victory over us. This is a good thing for us to think about. And, And the goodness of Christianity when it comes to the topic of suffering really shines when you compare it to an alternative. Many people in our world turn to the idea of chaos as an explanation for why this world has so much suffering in it. You know, chaos, the, the world is this cruel, random, somewhat accidental byproduct of uh, an event that happened billions of years ago, the Big Bang. Now, the result, apparently, is that our world is by nature a cruel and chaotic place. Now, Richard Dawkins 
put it very well. He said, the universe we observe has precisely the properties we should expect if there is at bottom no design, no purpose, no evil, no good, nothing but blind, pitiless indifference. So, so yes, so the atheistic story goes. We should expect pain and suffering. It's simply just the byproduct of living in a world that was never designed. So why should we ever have expected it to have been designed to be good? It solves the problem of evil by saying, like Dawkins says, there is no such thing as evil. It's just a figment of our biological imaginations. So we may as well just, you know, get on with enjoying life, making the most of it. Always look on the bright side of life, as the Monty Python blokes put it. You know, life's a laugh, death's a joke, it's true. You have no reason to complain about suffering. Now, if you hear all that and think that doesn't sound very satisfying, then yeah, I'm with you. If it doesn't sit quite right with you, then maybe your worldview has been shaped more by Jesus than you might realise. Because evil, as we know, is real. Evil in this world is a problem. Evil is not something to just shrug your shoulders at and go, oh, whatever, that's my lot in life. Our gut reaction to evil and suffering and hurt is that it is wrong. And that's not something to be suppressed. It's not something to just have to get over. Remove God from the picture and it doesn't satisfy. So let me take a moment to to share something of the Christian approach. Coming at our hurts and our pains, not through the idea of chaos, but through Christ. If we had more time and uh, if we were on our way to Jesus, uh, stopping off at the book of Genesis, we'd see some really helpful things. Uh, we would see that the brokenness of this world is, is brought in thanks to our disobedience against God. And God allows it. God allows our disobedience and the consequences that follow because He's a God of love. He's made us to have a genuine, true, real, loving relationship with Him, not just to be kind of robots forced into it. And that means... We are given the freedom to love him or not. And tragically, we more often than not choose not. That's the Bible's diagnosis of the problem. And it says that it's thrown the world off its course. This this finely balanced good world has been damaged by our own evil. We could also take a pit stop at the book of Job. We actually did that a little bit earlier this year. We did a few talks on it. You can find them online if you want. It's the story of this man who goes through terrible suffering, suffering, all the while he's wrestling with God about it, he ultimately comes to the conclusion that God is bigger than he is. That God has a bigger perspective than Job could possibly have. And he's able to rest in the knowledge that God's bigness means that he can account for his suffering and make sense of it. The Bible doesn't shy away from the topic of suffering. It's it's not Christianity's dirty little secret, as some people have kind of put it out there to be. It's not a knockdown argument against the reality of God. It actually gets put front and center in the story. It's a big talking point all the way through the Bible, because God's heart is to see this world get healed. And, And of course, you see it most clearly in Jesus. Jesus enters into our world and and he doesn't deny that there are problems. He feels it, he sympathises, he agrees, yeah, this stinks at times. He walks around and he he demonstrates a massive desire and an ability to fight against it, to fight against disease and decay and death. He affirms our sense that things are not as they should be. And he says, I'm the one to do something about it. 
And it's what you see in that bit that Brad just read for us from, from John 11. Jesus has these friends, many friends, but, but three in particular on this occasion, Mary, Martha, Lazarus, they're all siblings, two sisters and a brother. And Jesus had clearly been getting to know this family. Feels like he's a close friend because when the brother of the family, Lazarus, falls sick, Mary and Martha, they send a message straight to Jesus. They're like, Jesus, we know you can do something, come to Lazarus, he's sick. And Jesus responded to that that message in a way that I don't think any of us would have expected. I certainly don't think Mary and Martha expected this. He says, verse 4, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. And then, He stays put. Jesus doesn't rush off to go and administer the, the first aid to rescue His buddy. No, instead He waits. He sits Put for two full days to the point where he knows that Lazarus has died. And, and again, at this point, he, he says something that would have got everyone thinking, what on earth is he doing? You have the ability to heal your friend, but you're not doing it? He says, verse 14, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there. What? I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. But now let us go to him. What? What Jesus is kind of flagging for everybody is that he let Lazarus' death happen, sad and tragic as it was, because there was a purpose that could be achieved through it, that he could could use this bad thing to do something good. And and the good in this instance was for helping everyone around, these crowds who've been following Jesus, to actually finally see Jesus and get him, to trust him. And this gets us to something that's really core about the kind of Christian perspective on suffering, which is that God can take suffering, bad and rotten and evil as it is, and He can use it for good. The people that day didn't have to wait very long to see the good that could be brought. They responded straight away. People started trusting Jesus. It won't always be like that for us. For us, it might be that we have to wait until heaven until we can finally see the big picture and understand the good that has been brought out of our suffering. But the key thing is that there is a plan. There is a God who's in charge of the universe and He's able to take the high highs of life along with the low lows of life and kind of weave them together into this beautifully good thing. Thanks to God, we can know that no events that we experience will ever be a waste None of them will ever ultimately be a tragedy. God has a knack for doing this kind of thing, for taking, taking something awful and, and using it to do good. It's exactly what you see at the cross, isn't it? This awful moment, Jesus is killed. The pain, the hurt is immense. It is the most famous example of unjust suffering that the world has ever seen. But God, He has this knack for taking something bad and using it for good, And he turns that moment into something glorious because Jesus is is volunteering to heap up our wrongdoing on himself. He's saying, I'm going to the cross because that's how I can love these people. You take a quick glimpse at the cross and all you see is pain and awfulness and tragedy. But you zoom out, you look at the bigger picture and you see that God is using this pain and tragedy to do immense eternal good. That's how God can take suffering. 
Jesus eventually heads off to Bethany, the town where Lazarus and Mary and Martha lived. And we're told that by the time he gets there, by the time he gets to Bethany, it's been four days since Lazarus succumbed to his sickness and died. And so Martha rushes out. Mary stays home. She's, she's too caught up in her grief. And Martha, as she rushes out, she has a question for Jesus. She says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Martha knows, Jesus, you could have done something. She knows that he's good and powerful and that he actually did care about Lazarus. And so her question is, what on earth is going on? What, why were you not here? What are you going to do to put this right? And Jesus, he hears that and he addresses it. He, what's he going to do? He says, verse 23, your brother will rise again. And it's because of who Jesus is. He explains why he can make that promise of Lazarus rising again. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? There there is a power in Jesus that's never been seen before, will never be seen again since. It's the power to bring life where life has been snuffed out. And, And Jesus pairs up that power with this massive compassion, he is ready and willing to use this power for the good of others. And if you're a Christian person, you can take great joy in this. You can find great hope in this. We are trusting someone who is able to ensure that sickness and pain and death and grief will not be the ultimate winners. Jesus' whole ministry is like that, really. He, he heals the sick. Not just to kind of prove his power, because it does that but also to show just how committed he is to challenging and confronting the evil that has come into this world. The other sister, Mary, she eventually manages to leave the house. She goes to Jesus and she's distraught. It says, verse 32, When Mary reached the place that Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. bit of an accusation Jesus what gives and at this point we read two words that that means so much for any of us who have been through deep dark grief it says that Jesus wept and and when you probably stop and think about this that the ramifications are massive the the God of the universe the creator the sustainer when faced with suffering he is in tears. And not like not crocodile tears, but, but real tears of real sadness and real pain because the death of his friend was really not good. The grief and the pain that had been brought about from this death was not good. When Jesus sees suffering, he doesn't put it into kind of shrug your shoulders territory. Even knowing that in like 10 minutes time after this, is about to bring Lazarus back to life. That doesn't stop him from recognising there is something wrong here. This hurts me, says Jesus. And that's a freeing moment for us as we think about our own anguish at times. Can we cry out to God 
Can we express our, our hurting nature? Of course, we are given permission. It makes sense that when you are confronted with something as sad as suffering and pain and hurt, that you would weep as well. Because that is how God feels about it. It is not a betrayal of God to say to him, God, this hurts and I don't get it. And that, that day in the town of Bethany, it ends with the thing that you're probably expecting from the beginning, really. You know, Jesus goes over to the tomb. He shouts, Lazarus, come out. A miracle takes place. Lazarus is brought back to life. He walks out. The people watching, they're gobsmacked. The impact on them is real. They start trusting Jesus. They, they figure out, this guy's the real deal. This is the result when you, when you start to understand who Jesus is. When you understand that he's really powerful and also really compassionate, you think, I need to trust this man. I hope you have weighed that up in your mind and made that decision for yourself. If Jesus is this powerful and if Jesus is this compassionate, will I trust him? Our own stories are plagued by pain. We are haunted by these hurts. I scan around this room and I look at faces. I know the vast majority of you and for the vast majority of you, I've heard stories of the things that have happened in your lives. This is not theoretical for any of us. We cannot avoid suffering, no matter how hard we might try. It is part of our story. But thankfully, God's story meets our story. And it wraps our story up and puts us in a bigger picture. A picture where our pain and our grief will ultimately be realised into something that is good. Now, plenty of people ask, why doesn't God do something about suffering? And, and the answer is, He does. He shows us these glimpses of it being removed. He gives us promises that that day is coming. He says, in the meantime, I can use this. God can somehow take this kind of wild, destructive, pointless pain and He can use it to strengthen our resolve. He can use it to build our empathy. He can use it to confront our choices. He can use it to shape our character. He can use it to draw us and others to Himself. I've seen it countless times. There's this image in the Bible, in the book of 1 Peter, of suffering being like a roaring fire. And that roaring fire, this intense heat, it can either be used to forge something new, something good, or it can be used to destroy and tear down and, and just make everything rubbish. That's the impact that suffering can have on us. It can either forge us into something new and strong, or it can melt us away. And it depends on which direction you choose to turn at that point of suffering. To or away from your Creator. No Christian would ever claim to have completely worked out the topic of suffering, but still there are good, true things we can know that when it comes to suffering, Jesus shows us that God feels sadness. Jesus shows us that God, God understands it. He's not aloof. Jesus shows us that, that God has the power to fix it. That His promises are not sitting on emptiness, 
but that he has backed it up in real life, in real history. Maybe most importantly, it shows us that when God is involved, there is no such thing as pointless suffering. We can be so glad that that God's story meets our story because when that happens, everything gets transformed, including the difficulties that come your way. There are heaps of examples that we, we could take to reflect on God's story meeting our story and making all the difference. But, but instead of picking a kind of random example, I thought it might actually be helpful to hear from one of us. And uh, so I've invited Mel to come on up and share for a little bit right now. And uh, let's give her a clap as she does. We'll bring those stools, Mel, and we'll sit down here and share together. Mel, thank you. Thank you very much for being willing to come up today. Um, okay. It's not easy, but thank you. Uh, tell us a bit about how suffering has come into your story. Um, I guess there are t- kind of two main periods that come to mind when I think about suffering um, in my life. Um, the first is the most recent um, time in the last few years where uh, my marriage broke down. Uh, I lost a close friend uh, to an unexpected death. And I've had ongoing health issues uh, that just uh, won't go away um, and have resulted in me me being in hospital um, under anaesthetic six times in the last two years. Um, So it just keeps going. Um, And the first sort of earlier time um, was when, uh, you know, newly married, kind of excited about starting a family. And that just didn't happen um, for me and and my ex-husband. Yeah, it was a pretty traumatic time, I guess, as I watched those around me um, start their families and uh, I wasn't able to to do that as well. Uh, During both those periods, you've you've been walking with Jesus. Um, Describe for us a bit of the the difference that knowing Jesus has made through through all of that hardness. Uh, I was talking to Tom about this and I shared this story with him as well. Um, I, I remember sitting in a Bible study um, with the women's group um, that I was a part of in a previous church and, and I shared about um, what was happening in my life and where things were up to and um, someone said, oh, look, I don't know how you do it, like I don't know how you're still here. Um, if, it had been, if it was me, I, like, I wouldn't still be here, I, I couldn't stay walking with God when he lets you go through all that stuff. Um, and my response at the time was... If it wasn't for God, then I wouldn't still be here. Like, God is the only one who is is keeping me here, that is keeping me able to get through life because of the challenges that I'm dealing with. And I guess that's still true today, like, um, particularly with my health. Um, you know, I've, I've prayed um, that God would heal um, many, many times and had lots of people pray that. Um, and that hasn't happened, but uh, I still know that God's in control um, and that even if the suffering that I'm going through goes until I die, um, then that's okay. Like, um, I will spend eternity with God and I'll be free from pain uh, when that happens. Um, so Revelation 21 um, says, And then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. I saw the holy city in the new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven, like a bride beautifully dressed for her, her husband. 
I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Jesus is the one constant that's in my life. I know that no matter what I'm going through, he's with me. God promises that he will never leave me or, or forsake me and that he's near to the brokenhearted and he knows, Jesus knows what it is to suffer. Um, Hebrews 4, 16 tells us to come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we'll, we will find grace to help us when we need it most. That's really helpful. Um, is there a part of, the, you've quoted a couple of bits of the Bible for us just there, which is great. Uh, is, there, is there a part of the Bible that you would take someone to uh, who's going through a hard time or, or something that you're drawn to when you're going through a hard time? Yeah, I mean, there's obviously heaps, um, and I've shared a couple already, but um, on Wednesday we were going through the Psalms and talking about, um, you know, Psalms that were really helpful, and so I thought, um, for me, that's a space where I spent a lot of time or spend a lot of time um, in terms of helping with dealing with suffering. Um, I find it really helpful because people in the Psalms, writing the Psalms, suffered, but they were still able to draw on God's goodness, Um, and so... I guess um, Psalm 139, I'm not going to read it all, I'll just pull out some of the like, kind of key verses that really work for me. So it starts, O Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You go before me and follow me, you place your hand of blessing on my head. I can never escape from your spirit, I can never get away from your presence. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book, every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I cannot even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake, you are still with me. And in Psalm 91, those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust him. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armour and protection. And hopefully, that's, yeah, there's a picture up there. Uh, that picture sits on my wall in my office uh, with some other verses uh, that just are really comforting to me. And so uh, every day as I'm working at my computer, I can look up and just be reminded that I'm sheltered. He finishes, uh, that, uh, finishes with, the Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honour them. I will, reward, I will reward them with a long life and give them salvation. Whatever happens in my life, I know that God is with me. He will never leave me. He knew me before I was born and thinks precious things about me. He's my refuge, my strength, my protector. Earth is temporary, as is my suffering. But I will spend eternity with God where there will be no more suffering. These are the truths that I hold on to. I want to invite you to give me a clap because uh, you've been so encouraging. Um, and then let's join in prayer together. Lord God, thank you that you are such a comfort in the hard times. Thank you that we can know that we are sheltered under your wings that you are a father who protects and cares and understands and has our best interests at heart. 
Thank you that the suffering of this world will be short in comparison to the eternity that is to come. Thank you, Lord, that you can take the challenges and difficulties of this life and use it for our good. We, we can't always see it, but we trust that that is true. Lord God, we thank you for Mel. Thank you for the love you have for her and the way she knows it and feels it and draws great comfort and strength from it. Lord, we pray for healing on her body. We also pray that whatever happens, she would keep on finding great comfort in the Lord Jesus. Lord, for all of us here today, there are different things on our minds, in our hearts, in our memories, where we've tasted firsthand the brokenness of this world and sometimes it makes us question who you are and how you feel about us Lord we thank you that you show us so clearly in Jesus that we are precious to you Lord may we weep at the suffering in this world and may we look forward to the day when it will be no more Lord God, thank you for Jesus and the difference that he makes. Amen. Amen.